Season 1, Episode 88, Pete's Podcast, Bible Story Evangelism, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 52. And before I get started, let me talk about the writer of uh, the book of Acts and also the Gospel of Luke, the beloved physician um, Luke. And, okay, (laughs) I can't even get who I want to talk about straight. I want to talk about James the Less, uh, who is the leader in James, the son of Zebedee, died in chapter 12 or was murdered by Herod, who died uh, like the next day. But um, God took his life. But, but, um, and he was going after Peter, and Peter escaped with the angel of the Lord, and uh, Rhoda wouldn't let him in. Anyway, take a look at Acts chapter 12 if you didn't get that story. But anyway, James the Less and John the Baptist were first cousins. Both of their mothers were... That would make both of them mothers... They were cousins. Let me just leave it at that, okay? Their mothers were either cousins of Mary or actual sisters. Man, I thought I had it cold. Because I read something that said they were cousins, and, you know, that could be, they were pretty loose with their terminology. Brother could well be uh, nephew or cousin or something like that, Um, back in the use of the language. All right, so I thought I had it cold. I, I, I did read they were cousins, so that means they are either first, second, third cousins. I don't know how big of a family Mary came from. Uh, the story is that I've heard extra biblically she was very young when she got married and they might have had large families back then. Um, anyway, I, I thought she was a cousin of Elizabeth that would have made John the Baptist second cousins with Jesus a little bit removed, quite a bit in our culture, but in some cultures not very removed at all. Um, but... Anyway, uh, James the Less, the son of Alphaeus. Um, anyway, I, I don't think, at best, they, you know, if they were brothers, they would have been half-brothers. But I, I, I'm thinking they were more, I've read that they were cousins. And so the mystery continues, I guess. But just be, it, be advised I'm working on it. I thought I had it. But uh, anyway, that's. All right, Um, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 52. So Paul and Barnabas called by the Holy Spirit. They are actually called by the Holy Spirit from a prayer meeting. I don't know how that happened, but they were called and sent on their first missionary journey. And uh, Schofield also has a note here, opposition from Satan, where this guy just opposes them and and uh, he's struck with blindness for a season. I don't want to be struck with blindness for a minute, for moments, for hours, for days, for a season. That sounds, could be a while. Could be a longer than a while. Could be a long while. I don't know. I, I looked it up, but I couldn't really narrow it down. I looked up seasons. I was hoping it was like, you know, summer, fall, winter, spring, but uh, you know, whatever. Um, Opposition from Satan. Uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is more manifest. You know, just speaks out in a prayer meeting. Uh, Satan uh, has more power during the apostolic age, I think. 
just like the three times of miracles, Moses followed by Joshua, and Satan could do miracles when God does miracles. I think God is giving us a choice. You know, we can choose to believe him or we can choose to blaspheme him. It's, it's up to us. And, um, and I don't think he gives us a choice that he doesn't have. But it says it's impossible for God, you know, for, for Jesus to have remained uh, separated from God. And maybe that's just physically uh, impossible. For him to remain separated, you know, he, Jesus did say from from paradise, from Sheol, the paradise part. This day you'll be with me in paradise. He did say on the cross, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me?" So he did feel separated, and, and sin does that. It, it separated Adam and Eve when they ate the apple. They did die spiritually. They had to be born again by faith and in the Word of God. That, that he said the seed of the woman would break bruise Satan's heel head. And, and they went right out and offered sacrifices. And, and I think the very first sacrifice God offered, offered to cover their nakedness with an animal skin, which probably was just really traumatic for Adam and Eve. They, I don't think any blood had been shed at that point uh, when they got kicked out of the garden. They didn't have any kids yet. I don't, I'm pretty sure they didn't. So anyway, I don't know how long they were there. That's one of the things I want to ask Father Abraham. But Noah's father could have asked him because he was 59 years old when when Adam died. So they could have got the scoop right from the horse's mouth, if you will, from from Adam himself. All right, so, uh, so let's start in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, who I think just died in chapter 12, uh, and Saul. So I guess they don't believe in guilt by association. I'll tell you, trusting Christ will separate you from Herod or anybody else for that matter. I mean, believers kind of stick together, so... Uh, I'm just going to take it at that, that he had been brought up with Herod, but that doesn't mean he followed Herod in, in disbelief. And Saul, who's going to be called Paul for the first time, I think, in this chapter. Okay, and they ministered to the Lord. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I think, and fasted. I would call it maybe prayer and fasting, maybe Bible study prayer and fasting, fellowship prayer and fasting, uh, prayer, fellowship, fasting, soul winning. The Holy Ghost said, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, it could have been through a person, could have been, you know, uh, this is my beloved son, hear him. A voice, I'm not sure what it was. But anyway, here's what the Holy Ghost said. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, the Holy Spirit had told uh Ananias who came to Saul. There's a couple of Ananiases, so don't get confused. But anyway, the one that was in uh, Damascus and came to Saul and uh, God told him to go to him and, and he got his sight back. I think he was without sight for like three days. Not exactly sure. Anyway, uh, but Saul believed, I think, before he hit the ground. I don't know. Maybe, well, I don't know. At some point he believed. And first words out of his mouth is, Lord, what do you want? But it could have been, Sir, what do you want? But why persecutest thou me? 
Anyway, I am Jesus, it's the voice said. Anyway, so these kind of things are going on now. I think we have the Word of God. I have it right in front of me here with a clicker, and I need a cough drop. I'm sorry. I ate a big bowl of soup, and that's going to want to come back up in my throat. This growing, life has seasons, and I'm in the seasons where, in the season where things are starting to not be like they were when I was younger. But anyway, all right. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have to call them. And, and and God said to Ananias, I've I've separated this man to suffer greatly for, you know. And he gets stoned in chapter 13 in Lystra. That that's going to leave a mark. I think these people were pretty good at throwing rocks, and they. Uh, he said he was caught up in the heaven. It, whether he was in the body or out of the body, he doesn't know. I think this is when he was caught up in the third heaven. Personally, I, I just think it's, I, I don't know why I feel this way, but I think it's cool that, <coughs> excuse me, he possibly died. And he said he didn't know whether he was in the body or out of the body. If you're out of the body, you're dead. The body without the spirit is dead. So we're going to talk a little bit about the resurrection of the dead here today, I think, because that's one, and laying on of hands. There's six things in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. And I started my first podcast in Hebrews 6, 1. So, uh, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgments. I've got five eternal judgments, pretty, pretty much I've got those down, I think, at least according to the commentator Larkin, who's got a lot of really good books on the subject and, and, and backed up by Scripture. So um, <clears throat> he was an artist, he was a draftsman, and he, he made some really good charts, Larkin. All right, so uh, let's go to verse 3. And... When they had fasted and prayed, so maybe that's what they were doing before, uh, they laid hand at ministering to the Lord as, you know, Bible memory, Bible study, Bible prayer, Bible fasting. I'm not very good at fasting, but I, I just don't see the Apostle Paul talking about it very much. I mean, it's talked about here, that's for sure, but to me this is like a transition period, and I, I don't know. I have the Holy Spirit. You know, what, what am I, what, what I going to fast about? I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad Christian, I don't know. And laid their hands on them, they sent them away. If you are fasting, you're not supposed to talk about it. I mean, I'm not covering it up. I, I have fasted in my life. One time when a friend was sick and near death, I, I wanted to, for, for a couple of days, I didn't need anything. I had cough drops, so I was sick at the time. So I, don't, I guess that doesn't count as fasting. But anyway, and then when my wife went to New York, the last time I'd been in New York in the early 70s, it was the armpit of the world. And when she was going up there to Columbia University to speak at a yearbook convention, I was like freaking out. I didn't eat the whole time she was gone. Or I might have eaten dinner before she came back, before I picked her up at the airport. But it was three days. Anyway, that's the longest I ever went. And whatever. I just don't see it. Maybe I need to study the you know the writings of the New Testament saints more. But... I see it more in when Christ was there, and and he and his he his disciples got in trouble for not fasting, like the Pharisees did. And he said they can't fast when the bridegroom's with them. Well, I'd argue you have the Holy Spirit. I, I see in Thessalonians it says rejoice evermore. 
So uh, I, I don't know why I'm supposed to be fasting. But, I, you know, certain situations, you know, yeah, if my son was injured and, and uh, I, I might skip a meal or two. I, I um, you know, I'm just going to pull out all the stops. But anyway, and when they fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them. So here's laying on of hands. I see it for healing and I see it for ordination. Laying on of hands. That's the doctrine of laying on of hands. So um, one of the six things in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. They sent them away. Okay, I think from Jerusalem. And they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost said, um, go, I want these two guys to go, departed unto Cilicia and from thence sailed to Cyprus. So I've got them going from Jerusalem to Cilicia on the coast and then taking a, a boat to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues and the Jews and they had also John to their minister. This is John Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, I've covered this once before when I, I think I covered one of my memory verses, was Acts 16, 30, no, Acts uh, 13, um, 39. And by him all the believers are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. I think that's in Acts 13. Anyway, um, and when they were at Salmis, I'm going to say that's on the coast of of the island of Cyprus, which is south of modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, whatever you want to call it. Um, I would say maybe 50 miles down, maybe less, the island of Cyprus. And they also had John to be their minister. But John bails out as soon as they get to Asia Minor. And maybe you could read right on the wall, because it's not very long. He only visits like two places before Paul is stoned. So maybe young John didn't feel, John Mark didn't feel like, you know, that this was a safe place. He comes back, he works with Barnabas. Paul says, you know, bring John Mark to me. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's helpful in the ministry. So this betrayal, if you want to call it that, this cowardice, whatever you want to call it, I'm not, I'd have probably not gone to begin with. But but, and when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, which it sounds like they went through, um, I think Salmus was on the, on the east coast and Paphos is on the west coast of the island of Cyprus. And it sounds like they went through the isle, so they, that's a, a, you get to talk to a lot of people. And they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus. Sounds pretty Roman to me. And, um, and a prudent man, a wise man. I, I would say that this is uh, uh, Bar-Jesus. Bar um, who, maybe it's Sergius Paulus, that called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. So... And when they had gone through the isle of... I'm back to verse 6 again. And when they had gone through the isle of Paphos, the isle unto Paphos, the isle of Cyprus, they found a certain sorcerer, a prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. 
which was the deputy of the country. Okay. Which was the deputy of the country. Sergius Paulus, a pre prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. I'll just be straight up with you. I'm not sure if this is another name. Sergius Paulus is another name for for Bar-Jesus or he works for this guy. A deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus. It says comma, Sergius Paulus, comma, a prudent man. So I'm going to say he's a deputy, which was the deputy of named Bar-Jesus which was the deputy of the country, was with, I'm sorry, was with, not was the deputy. Okay, so he was with the deputy of the country whose name was Sergius Paulus. Okay, I had it right the first time. A prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul desired to hear the word of God. Hey, that's pretty important. I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're doing right now. We're in the word of God, which is the only thing I would spend time doing. Uh, but Elimus, the sorcerer, is another sorcerer. They got a lot of sorcerers in the island of Cyprus. For so his name by interpretation withstood them. So a fellow sorcerer withstood him. And these guys, I think they work for Satan. Um, Satan, you know, the Holy Spirit's doing stuff. God lets Satan do stuff. Uh, Moses, snake, rod turned into a snake, snake so did uh, Pharaoh's sorcerers or whatever they were. So up to a point, I think they stopped at number three lice, but I don't, I don't think they did the flies or the cattle died or the boils or the fire and hail or the locust or the darkness, and they definitely didn't do the Passover where the, the Egyptians lost their firstborn. All right. Uh, then Saul, whose name, who also is called Paul, so I think this is the first time Saul has gotten rid of the moniker that scared everybody. Saul, he's a crazy man. Filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. So Paul is going to talk to Elimus, the sorcerer, who withstood them, seeking to turn them away from, turn away the deputy from the faith. Okay, so he's, Elimus is talking to the deputy. Don't listen to him. And Paul addresses, filled with the Holy Ghost, sets his eyes upon Elimus, the sorcerer, and said, O full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? What we're talking about here are the right ways of the Lord. And that's what, if you're not believing that these are the right ways, that that's what I'm in, and the Holy Spirit are trying to get you to believe. That what, what God has recorded here is the right way. Verse 11, he continues to say to Elimus the sorcerer, And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. So, I don't know how long that is. But whatever it is, it's a favor because who knows, you know, maybe maybe the guy, this was enough to get him to rethink his position. Uh, 
And immediately there fell on him a mist and darkness, and Elimus went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. So he went from, you know, telling the the, the guy in charge of the island, uh, don't listen to these guys, to going around begging for help for somebody to lead him because he was blind. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished by the miracle, no, at the doctrine of the Lord. That's what I was astonished at. When I finally, this guy finally got through to me, when I finally started listening to Jack Weaver, I, I said, are you telling me it's a free gift with no strings attached? He said, praise the Lord, you understand it. And then John 3.16 made a whole lot more sense. I started actually understanding what he was saying. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, a Roman deputy of Cyprus, whatever, um, anyone that believed, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the right way. The gospel of the grace of God is the right way. Verse 12, Now when Paul and his company Loosed from Paphos, so there, that's a city on the west coast of Cyprus. I don't know if you have a map in your head, but I, I look at them occasionally. And uh, they go pretty much due north, and I would say 40 miles maybe. I'm trying to remember the scale. But 40, 50 miles north to the southern coast of the uh, Asia Minor. Today, the country of Turkey. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Pergama in Pamphylia. Pamphylia is a region. Pergama is a city in Pamphylia. It's kind of like Miami, Florida. Uh, and John, John Mark, departed from them, returned to Jerusalem. He said, I've had enough. He's a young guy. I don't know. But God used him to write the gospel of, of Mark. So, he's, you know. Pretty cool, in my opinion. Holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit to write the Word of God. Anyway, verse 14. But when they departed from Perga, they're heading north, they came to Antioch, which is, I would say, a little bit uh, east of due north, in the region of Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So I told you before, the synagogues came about when, when the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and he took uh, most of Jerusalem captive. Uh, they, he did leave some. He kind of gave, gave them a, an SAT test and took the brightest anyway and made them counselors. He might have taken more than that. But anyway, they were pretty much not a military force after they lost the the temple, and, and it took uh, Nehemiah to come back probably close to, I would guess, 80 years to come back, maybe longer, to come back and rebuild the temple and the wall of the city. I think they built the wall first. And the synagogue, on, and they did it in a really quick time, like 50 days or something. They worked hard, and they had to carry a sword in one yard hand and rocks in the other, you know, stones in the other. Okay, but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law of the prophets, that's the law and the prophets, that's the Old Testament, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, these are rulers of the synagogue, so these are Jewish people, 
If ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. This is where Paul, when they won't listen to him, Paul says, I'm going to the Gentiles. And that was pretty much his ministry after this. But, and his ministry has gone on, been important, wrote half or a little more than half of the New Testament if he wrote the book of Hebrews, as I say every podcast. Verse 16, Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand, said, He does this a couple times. Peter has done this. Stephen has done this. This is a sermon by the Apostle Paul. Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with a high arm brought he them out. Ten plagues. Water to blood. Frogs. Lice. Flies. Livestock died. Six. Boils. Seven. Fire and hail. Eight. Locusts. Nine. Darkness. And ten. Death of the firstborn. Also known as the Passover. Hopefully you know the story of the Passover. They... If you put blood on your doorpost, the the death angel passed over your house and your firstborn didn't die. And if you were a Jew and you didn't do that, you you know, if you were an unbelieving Jew, you know, I don't know, after 10 plagues, I think I would have been a believer, but whatever, or after nine plagues. Anyway, um, brought him out with a high arm, brought he them out. It it says that, that, that God did that to show the world that the God of Israel was the God. So, I, my kids all memorized, my, my students all memorized the Ten Plagues and the Ten Commandments. And uh, when I first started teaching, they memorized the Greek alphabet, but that dropped out of our curriculum. So, I didn't have them memorize anything that wasn't in our curriculum. Anyway, in about the time of 40 years, he suffered their manners in the wilderness. So, again, Moses' life is divided into three 40-year periods. 40 years the son of Pharaoh and a great warrior and a great engineer and he was great deeds, it says he did. And then 40 years as a shepherd in the wilderness of Midian and then 40 years as the leader of Israel in the wilderness, in the desert. And when God took him home, I, you know, I don't think he went kicking and screaming. You know, maybe he wanted to go into promised land. I don't know. Maybe he had, you know, super health and everything was good. 120 years old. But anyway, um, verse 19. And he had destroyed, and, and the he here is God, I think in Paul's sermon. And when God had destroyed this, destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan with Jericho, you know, I mean Joshua, as long as he kept his arms up, you know, they won the battle and that kind of thing. Uh, read read the book of uh, Joshua. He divided their land by lot. So when they took the promised land, he divided it all of Judea, all the way up from from uh, Jerusalem to above uh, the Sea of Galilee and also across the east of the Jordan River. Divided it by by the son of David. 
Uh, Joseph didn't receive one, but he has two sons. Uh, did receive one each, so he got a double portion. Joseph did. Anyway, who was a pretty amazing guy. Um, <clears throat> verse 20, I read the book of Genesis if you want to read about it. it. The book of Genesis ends with the death of Joseph. And the next book, Exodus, begins with the birth of Moses. And, after, and there's 400 years between the two. And after 400 years of slavery. And after that, God gave unto them judges, read the book of Judges, 12 of them, for the space of 400 years, 450 years, until Samuel the prophet, who was the last judge. Book of Judges is a great book to read. It, it, each, it's got 12 episodes of sin, suffering, supplication or prayers unto the Lord for deliverance, and deliverance, salvation. And then, then the next generation would sin, and they would suffer, and they would cry out to the Lord, supplications, make supplications. I like it because it's all S's. Sin, suffering, supplications, salvation. God would send Ehud, the left-handed judge, to you know, deliver them, or Samson to deliver them, or Deborah, one of the twelve was, was a woman, Deborah to deliver them. Until Samuel the prophet. And then they asked Samuel for a king. So he was the last judge. And God said they haven't rejected you. But they've rejected me. Okay. Still reading uh, Paul's sermon. And afterward. Israel desired a king. And God gave unto them Saul. The son of Kis. A man of the tribe of Benjamin. By the space of 40 years. And when, and when God removed Saul because of disobedience and pride, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave their testimony and said, this is kind of, it reminds me of God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and I'm not trying to lift up David. We all know that he fell, but... But what a, what a testimony from the Lord of King David. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. I, let me just say this about David. I would not use his failures for an excuse for your own. This was a great man. But he was a man. And unlike Jesus, whose body did not see corruption, David's did, which we'll talk about in just a minute. For this man's seed, for David's seed, hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. So he's not beating around the bush here. He's, he's calling it like it is to these Jews in the synagogue of Antioch. And John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all people of Israel. That would be John the Baptist. It's a continuation. Paul is just going through the history of, of Israel to Christ. 
And John the Baptist had first preached before his before Christ's coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. I was in a Bible study last night and they were talking about repentance. And the first three times the word repented is used in, in, the, in the first five books of the Bible, the first three times it refers to God repenting. So just because people always associate repentance to sin, uh, I don't think so. Not if it repented God that he'd made man. It repented of the evil he wanted to do the children of Israel in the wilderness because of their disobedience. He showed him mercy. He repented of the, the punishment he was going to give them. You know, showing mercy is repentance. You know, I'm going to, no, okay, I'm going to cut you some slack. Baptism of, our repentance, you know, um, John the Baptist did ask for um, signs of your repentance. Um you know, to the Pharisees who were just there to, I don't know, spy him out, I guess, find out who he was, whatever. Um, but let me just say this about repentance. I repented, I repented twice the night I trusted Christ as my Savior. One, I repented of my dead works. I realized that they were never going to get me to heaven. The very best things I had done, and I really couldn't name them. You know, I picked up a hitchhiker one time. You know, whatever. I was pretty limited in my good works. I, I didn't think there was any way I was going to merit eternal life with God in heaven. I figured nobody was. I figured the thief on the cross was going to be it was going to be Jesus, the thief on the cross, and God, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. Three guys. I didn't know anything about Abraham. I didn't know anything about anybody. I didn't know about Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. But when John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance unto all people of Israel. So my repentance again was, re excuse me, repentance from dead works and uh, that, that accompanied, uh, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, excuse me, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you saved through faith, not, not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I had to believe it was a gift. I'm sorry. Now I got the hiccups. The, a gift from God and I did. I did believe it was a gift. It was written right there, lest any man should boast. It was a written way in a way I could understand it. And when I said to Jack, I said, are you telling me it's a free gift with no strings attached? He said, praise the Lord, you understand it. I said, okay, I believe you. It's a free gift. And then I think we went to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, a gift, that whosoever believeth in him, whosoever, I go, man, this is a great God. I was wrong about God. I repented about God that night. I told you, I went to that Bible study hating God. I was just looking at my, my sister just texted me where they were remembering my brother at his university today. They have a perpetual reward for my brother for an ROTC graduate. And I got, I got emails today uh, about, or messages today about the ceremony. And my, my sister was there and um, others. Okay. Um, but I hated God. And then I, I went away from that Bible study loving God. And there was that a girl, you know, with a tear going down her face as I was leaving. Because she, she was just praying the whole time Jack was talking. I know she was, I, you know, she never told me that. But I just knew she was. That she had been praying that I would trust the Lord. And we'll call her Sue. And... She looked up at me and said, if I never see you again, I'll see you in heaven. And then I gave my first 
words of assurance that I had trusted the Lord, I said, you're right. You're right. That was my first testimony that I had trusted Christ. You're right. I'm going to heaven when I die. Wow. Or as David put it, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David could say that. After he killed Uriah the Hittite or had him killed in battle, whatever, however you want to say it, he messed up. For whosoever should keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. James 2.10 Alright, verse 25. i got to hurry up here. Get through this message. Um, and as John fulfilled his course, John the Baptist, so Paul is still preaching here. As John fulfilled his course and said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not the Messiah. But behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God. I'm supposed to fear God? Hey, I love electricity, but I also respect it. I respect the power of it. So... If you don't, that's your business. But I can love electricity and all that it gives me and also be respectful of it. And I think you'd be wise to do that with God. To you is the word of this salvation sent. What's he talking about? He's talking about eternal life. He's talking about salvation. Whosoever. It doesn't change. The gospel is the gospel. I think he continues here. Uh, for they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, Jesus knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, they have fulfilled them in condemning Christ to death on the cross. They have fulfilled the prophets that said he would be crucified, and they shall look upon me whom they have... They sh they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Zechariah 12.10 Zechariah 12.10 God says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem in the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And they shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. My parents lost their firstborn. I know what that's like from an outside. I hope I don't lose either of my sons. It would be the worst thing ever. But um, but uh, this is talking about prophecy of Christ. All we like sheep have gone astray and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 9.6. I, I, I need to add that to my memory verses. I got so many right now I'm not able to get through them in a day. Uh, too lazy, but there's 65 of them, and some of them are pretty long. So I think it's good for my brain, so I'll keep doing it. I'll keep ministering to God by memorizing Scripture, condemning Him. So He's tying in Jesus Christ. And, that, and though they found no cause of death in Him, Pilate said, what has He done? And, he go, and they say, we, if He wasn't guilty, we wouldn't have brought Him to you. What kind of accusation is that? Yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. Kill this man. Give us Barabbas. So Paul is just going through this with the Jews in the synagogue of 
Antioch, which becomes the foundation of the Gentile church. And you see how that happens in just a minute. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of Jesus in the Old Testament, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. And God raised him from the dead. There's a resurrection of the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee. Again, you always go up to Jerusalem from Galilee, which is, you know, lower in altitude, um, to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declared unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So go to Psalm 2, I did, you can read that phrase. And as concerning that God raised Jesus up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give unto you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore God saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. So his body did not deteriorate in the grave. David's did. David, after he had served his own, verse 36, David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, that's a euphemism for death, and laid, nice way to say he died, and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. Corruption is when you go look for, I don't know, you know, the people that drowned on the Titanic and look for their bodies. They are not there. But the sea will give up its dead. You can go to David's tomb. I, I, probably there's several of them. You know, like George Washington slept here in America. You got them, you, got, you know, a lot of places claim that George Washington slept there. Probably, I think there's more than one tomb of David. But people are just trying to make a buck, I guess. But anyway... Uh, but he did see corruption. You're not going to find his body. I don't think you're going to find his bones. You know, to be to be fossilized or mummy, mummified, it, it takes a lot of work. Seventy days to be mum, to turn into a mummy. It takes uh, it takes the right conditions. I've heard that if you took all the human fossils that were in the in the world, they wouldn't cover a a, a pool table. Okay, so. There are not a lot of human fossils because humans can swim and whatever. So anyway, um, verse 36. David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. In other words, you're not going to find his body. But that's no problem for God raising the dead. The sea will give up its dead and the land will give up its dead. And the land will cry out with the blood of, of Abraham, I mean Abel. You know, so in the, in the, in when the, God cursed, however you want to say it, uh, Ab- Adam, Eve, um, Satan, Adam's son, uh, Adam, or no, when, when in their, their son, Cain, killed Abel. And God came to Cain and said, where's your brother? And he goes, am I my brother's keeper? And he says, "Was not, was, does not his blood cry out to me from the ground? 
So, you know, as Jesus walked into Jerusalem, he, Pharisees said, tell these people to be quiet. And he said, if they were quiet, the stones would shout to me. A donkey talked for Balaam. So God can, he spoke the universe into existence. Read Genesis chapter 1. God said, God said, God said, God said. 30 times God is referenced by name or by pronoun. Over 30 times. God did this and God did that. And God created the world. If you don't want to believe it, you can believe gravity created it if you want. I think that's what that's what they're saying nowadays. But they're going to change that as soon as some they go home and tell their kids that gravity changed it. And their little first grader is going to go, that's ridiculous. And they're going to come up with something else created it. But anyway, but I got to finish this up. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Jesus' body did not deteriorate. Maybe it was not possible for his body to deteriorate. But I would argue that he wasn't in his body. He wasn't in a dark, covered with rags, or covered with whatever, the, the grave cloths. He was absolute body and absolute from the Lord in paradise. And he preached to captivity there for three days with the thief on the cross. And, and I think Adam and Abraham and all those people, unless Adam, you know, unless there was a resurrection at the time of the flood or something that I missed, I don't really care. I only care about, the only resurrection I'm going to see is going to be at the rapture. And if I'm alive, I'll go up, but the dead in Christ shall rise first. So there's two raptures at the rapture. There's two resurrections at the rapture. The resurrection of the dead followed by the, resur the resurrection of the living. And I guess if you're in that rapture, you won't see any your body won't see any corruption. But I think when the resurrection of the dead, they get a new body. So when Jesus rose from the dead, he got a new body that could pass through walls and do all kinds of weird stuff that he did. Uh, during those 40 days that he was with his people, or 50 days at the most. Okay, and be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, verse 38, that through this man, Jesus, has preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. This, is, this sermon should be preached every Sunday. There's nothing hard about this. There's nothing tricky about this. And by him, all that believe all, A-double-L, that believe are justified just as if they'd never sinned from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. That was the memory verse I, I covered one time. Acts 13.39 And by him, Jesus Christ, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, you despisers. These are people that don't believe. And wonder and perish. Do not perish means you go to hell. I'm sorry. But they will not perish. I give unto them eternal life and they shall not perish. Yeah, well, if, if you don't receive eternal life like these people didn't, then you will perish. You will not have eternal life. You'll have eternal death, separation from God. For, <coughs> excuse me. Verse 41. For I work a work in your days, a work that ye shall in no wise believe. You're not going to believe it. I think he's quoting a prophet here, spoken of by the prophets, so we could look it up. I didn't, sorry. But you can look up verse 41 and find it in, in the Bible. Though a man declared unto you, Paul's just a man. One beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. Maybe that's not a good analogy, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like that. I, I didn't have anything to do with myself. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to save you. I'm, I tell you who will. 
Behold, you despisers. Are you a despiser? Wonders. Is, is this true? And perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe. Are you going to believe this good news or not? Though a man declared unto you. I'm a man declaring it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought him that these words might be preached unto them the next Sabbath. This is where it's... Okay, verse 43. Now when the congregation was broken up, the Jewish congregation, many of the Jews and religious proselytes, they got converted to Judaism or whatever, followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So many of these people believed. Many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them, Paul speaking to them, and Paul and Barnabas continued to them to continue in the grace of God. For by grace you saved through faith, and not, not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The message of Ephesians 2.8.9 that I keep, that was so important in my salvation. Grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. Don't add anything to it. Continued in the grace of God. I think I would have fit right in to that crowd preaching the gospel of the grace of God. I might have had to learn a foreign language, but which wasn't going to happen, but I'd have to go to the barbarians where they spoke English, whatever. Um, and verse 44, The next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. So the, the, the Gentiles said, Would you, next uh, Sabbath, would you come and teach us? And the, almost the whole city came to hear the word of God. And when the Jews saw the multitudes, these are the unbelieving Jews, not the ones that followed them, but the ones that stayed in the synagogue doing whatever they do in the synagogue, reading the Bible and not understanding it. They were filled with envy. Look at all these people are coming to hear Paul and they don't come to hear us. And spake against those things which were spoken by Paul. It's not a gift. It's not for whosoever. You know, it's only for the Jews, whatever. It's by works. you got to you got to do this, you got to do it. Contradicting Paul and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and blaspheming Jesus Christ by not believing in Him, by, you know, probably saying He was just a man, whatever. He was not the Messiah. That's blasphemy because it's not true about the Son of God. Verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. My gosh. Man, it makes me feel bad. That's what I pray. I pray for boldness. I don't pray for the rapture. I don't pray for the second coming. I don't pray for any of that. I pray for boldness and opportunities to share the faith. I've been doing it for years with my wife since we heard a sermon on it. Followed two, one in South Carolina and then one in Tampa, one here in Miami. Both of them, same two different pastors, two different churches, seven hundred miles apart, and they both talked about the same verses where Paul prayed for boldness. Uh, Ephesians 6, he says, pray for me that I will boldly share my faith. And, and there's good reason, because the next stop, he is stoned. Or no, after Iconium comes Lystra, and then he's stoned. To death or not, it really doesn't matter. I, you know, Paul, Luke, the beloved physician who's writing this, called him dead. So It was necessary that the word of... Okay, Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. Now he's speaking to the Gentiles now, and a bunch of Jewish unbelievers, and some brand new Jewish believers. It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken unto you, Jewish people, 
But seeing you have put it from you, are you going to put this from you? And judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. You're going to judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life? You're not going to believe what's written in the Word of God? Take your Bible and follow along with me here. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Paul is turning to the Gentiles. There are a lot more Gentiles than our Jews today and back then. And he's going to turn to them. I think Antioch had a lot more Gentiles than, than Jews. Unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. So, so for, for so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. You know, the, the world is full of Gentiles. As far as the Jews are concerned, there are two people, believers, I mean, Jews and Gentiles. To me, and, and I, hope, I, I hope I represent the church in this, there are people that have trusted Christ, and there are people that haven't trusted Christ. I used to call them lost and saved, but my wife said, don't call them, people don't know what you're talking about. Call them lost, people that have trusted Jesus Christ and people who haven't trusted Jesus Christ. I trusted Jesus Christ 48 years ago when I repented of my dead works and put my faith in God. As Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. That's what I did. I heard his word. I believed on the God that sent Jesus, the God of John 3.16, and I have everlasting life. I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gent okay, now he's done. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of God. To me, the word of God is, I'm sorry, but it's everything. The Holy Spirit doesn't come. I don't hear a voice saying, go to the Gentiles, go do this, go this. Send me this guy and that guy. I think we have the word of God. I don't think we need that. There were just three times of great miracles. Moses, Joshua, Elijah, and Elisha, and Jesus and the apostles. This is the apostolic age. Paul was a disciple for three years. I think Luke has covered three years here in Acts. And he's now Paul's on his first missionary journey. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were the, 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 the word here is ordained. I looked it up. It probably would be better. It's a 400-year-old word, English word. It would probably be better translated, dis, appointed or disposed. As many as were disposed. I was disposed to trust Christ as my Savior 48 years ago. I did not I, know I was disposed to trust Christ. I tried to disrupt the meeting. I tried to you know, ask my my great question, how can Jesus be the answer when there's a whole world doesn't believe in him? The answer might today is seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. The gospel can't be, if you're listening to this, I don't think it can be explained any more clear than Paul is explaining it to you here. It's just what are you going to do? Are you going to judge yourself unworthy of eternal life? Or are you going to turn to Jesus Christ as your only hope for heaven? But as many as were disposed to eternal life is the way I'm going to and, and you can throw out John 3.16 and say well, God's going to go eeny meeny miny mo. there are people who do that but they're just as lost as far as I'm concerned because they're adding to the word of God here and it, it God is a it's, 
for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God that have, will have all men to be saved. My sovereign God, I've been thinking about this since yesterday. My sovereign God, God is so sovereign that he can give us a free will and, and, and subject his will to our will. His will is that all men be saved, but you can judge yourself unworthy for everlasting life. It's your call. Or you can believe to eternal life. And as many as were disposed to eternal life believed. So I'm going to tell you to eternal life believe the gospel of the grace of God. Paul at the end of his life said, none of these things move me. None of Neither count of my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. The word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. That's what they're supposed to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the world is Gentile, as far as the Jews concerned. And the word of the Lord was published. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm publishing this thing to 13 different countries. I've only had a thousand plays, but I haven't really advertised much. I mentioned it on Facebook a couple times, most not even on my own page, just in response to somebody else. But I will. When, when I think when I hit 100, I don't know when I'm going to do it. I'm getting a new computer because this one won't load anymore. It is a 2012. So, I mean, it's done me almost 10 years. It's, I think it's in its 10th year of work for me. But it won't, it won't load anymore. It's, the memory is filled up, not with my stuff, but with all the, the lo loading stuff. But anyway, um, verse 50, the, well, verse 49, the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. People went telling everybody, and they had to judge themselves worthy or not of eternal life and believe. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and chief men of the city of Antioch, the Jews did, the unbelieving Jews, and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and spelled them and 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 expelled them out of their coast. So they threw them out of their city. The next uh, two, two stops away, Iconium and then Lystra, they're going to be expelled outside the city and stoned. Paul's going to be stoned either, to, either in the body or out of the body. He's caught up in heaven, so I don't know. So if he doesn't know, I don't know. But I don't, you know, whether you're stoned and you survive or were you stoned to death, it's going to leave a mark. And I don't think they stopped until they thought you were dead. And they shook off, they didn't with Stephen, where they put their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they shook off the dust of their feet, Paul and Barnabas did, against them, and came unto Iconium, which is traveling, I think, a little bit uh, north of east, if I remember my map correctly, of Paul's first missionary journey. Feel free to... Google it. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. What do you want more in your life than joy? I can't think of anything that I want in my life more than joy. I mean, I, I kind of like food and clothing. But therewith be content. Paul wrote, None of these things move me, neither count on my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of the grace of God is the free grace, the, the undeserved, unmerited eternal life is a free gift by faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, John three sixteen. 
All right, so that concludes that.